You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Well, hello again, everyone. This is Doug Thorpe, and you're listening to another episode of Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Today, we're going to talk about leadership. Ironic on a show called Leadership Powered by Common Sense, but uh, my guest is a lady named Daphna Horowitz. She is herself an executive coach and leadership development guru, and uh, it's my privilege to get her on this show today. Daphna, welcome. Hi, Doug. Wonderful to be here. I'm excited about our conversation. So I want to start with a, a really maybe simple question. What led you into the idea of becoming a leadership development coach and, and guide for people? It's a great question. Really something that, you know, comes from within, close to my heart, because I started my career in a completely different place. I qualified as an actuary. And that means working with numbers and statistics and trends and patterns, you know, assessing risk and pricing different products, whether it's insurance or investment or healthcare or whatever it is. So very, very mathematical and analytical, which I completely enjoyed. I was one of those math buffs at school. Um, and I think that analytical thinking was really, really good and exciting and stimulating for me. However, when I started my work experience, I found that there was a big gap between the work that we were doing and how we were being led, how we were being grown in our career as people. And at the time, this was, you know, more than 20 years ago. Uh, I've been in my business now for 17 years. So we're looking back quite a long time. Um, at the time, talking about leadership development and leaders and, and career development was not such a hot topic as it is today. I think there's much more focus on it today. But I remember the frustration of while I was working in this corporate environment that I didn't have any role models to look up to in terms of their leadership of people and of the business and you know staying true to your values and being who you are and being able to give expression to who you really are as a human being while at work. My experience was very much focus on the performance, the metrics, what outputs we can get out of our staff and employees, and that's the most important thing. And I'm not saying that it's not important. Of course, business is in place to get performance and be successful and see results and contribute to the world. But I think the realization and the connection to people and how you do it through people is the most important thing. And if you don't pay attention to that, then you're losing a big part of it and you might be successful for a while but at some point it's going to catch up with you and for me that gap was something that kept on gnawing at me and I was asking questions and wanting to delve more into the people side and that's kind of a little bit of the background of what got me into this field because even then I had these questions but I didn't always find the answers you know so it was quite a journey a journey of self-discovery to actually come to the point of understanding that this is the area that I want to contribute in. This is what I want to do in my career. Well, you know, what you're describing there is something we have talked about on this show a number of times before, and that is that those people that are put in positions of, of being a supervisor, or manager, director, or even ultimately vice president and beyond, 
they typically come from the ranks. They, they come from the level of being an individual contributor, and then they get recognized for good work they do, and they get right. selected to be a supervisor or a manager. But they're never given any training about what that means or very seldom given the opportunity. And it's only after about that second or third promotion that the companies say, hmm, maybe we ought to send them to some leadership school or something. Right. And it's right. and it's like, my goodness, well, how many how many employees have you burned in the process of, of coming to that revelation? And I, I realize some companies are much better than others about helping first-time managers move into that role and responsibility and beginning that shift. But something else you said in your story there was the whole idea of people, you know, inspiring people, leading people, not just the work that has to be done. So I'm going to fast forward a little bit with your coaching now. What are some of the themes that you typically start with clients in in discussing, you know, their roles as leaders in their businesses? Mm. Again, a big question. And I just want to highlight that I do talk about something called the leadership gap, because this is something that we often find exactly as you said. Individual contributors get promoted because they're good at what they do. Then they get into managerial and leadership positions, but they don't necessarily have the skills. Like, what do I do with this now? And this is that leadership gap. Okay, I've now been promoted to a level where I've got to get results through people. I'm so used to getting the results through my own efforts and my own expertise and my own uh, contribution how do I do this thing now through people? And many, many leaders, managers find this to be a big challenge because their comfort zone is in their areas of expertise and experience and not in how to let go and start empowering your people to actually get the results for you. And this is an area that I focus on a lot in my work with the clients. And I want to add another dimension to that. And that is actually that leadership starts within. So if you want to be able to lead your people well, you need to first do some self-exploration and self-discovery. There's a lot of you know, awareness that needs to be brought about in terms of how you operate. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What are your blind spots? The things that you're not really seeing that have a huge impact on the people that you're leading. And this is where there's like a little bit of a rub because if you don't see how your behaviors are impacting your people, you're not going to understand why you're not getting the results that you want from them. And so often I hear leaders saying, but I've said this to them and I've explained it to them and I've asked them to do it and they're not doing it. They're not um, owning the results. They're not being held accountable. I, I don't know how to hold them accountable, but it's there's a two piece thing to this conundrum. And that is first look at yourself and how you're behaving, how you're showing up and where your blind spots are. And then also, yes, of course, there's skills in how to do all of that, uh, how to lead people, how to hold them accountable, how to get them engaged, how to inspire them. But it's got to be both. It's not just what do I do out there? It's also what do I do in here? Yeah, it, it does boil down to the idea of if you want to be a leader, you've got to lead yourself first. Right. Then, then you can lead others. And, you know, working on that self-awareness, uh, some people, you know, popularly today call it emotional intelligence. 
the ability to really have a keen awareness about things. And, and one way I've heard this challenge described, and I actually favor it, I, I use it a lot, and that is that we as leaders, when we show up in the world, we've got two competing forces. We've got the identity that we've created for ourselves. It's that proverbial story you tell yourself when you're looking in the mirror. And hopefully those beliefs and, and principles that you have in your story are good ones, but you you go out to face the world with this story spun up in your mind, and yet what you do, what you say, how you act, how you show up is what creates your reputation right. within the, the world around you and the way your your people see you, the way colleagues, friends, peers, even senior bosses above you it, it's that's the reputation and you you've got to do some work to align those if your reputation is not lined up with your identity uh, you've, you've got some other kind of gaps going on exactly i love it so we do work around leadership brand i call what you you've just described as the reputation what you put out there as your leadership brand how people are perceiving you as a leader and that has absolutely got to be aligned with your own values and who you are and how you show up in this world. Because if there isn't alignment, people are going to feel that very quickly and you're going to lose trust. Uh, you're going to find it hard to build relationships. You're going to find it hard to find people who are willing to go and walk through fire with you. Because sometimes in business, you need that as well. You know, there's often challenging circumstances and you want your people to be right there with you. And that, again, those are the qualities that we're talking about that are not skills, you know, do A, B, C, D, and everything will be fine. It's actually, do you know who you are? Do you know what your values are? Do you know how you're building relationships? What are you investing in those relationships? How are you treating your people? How are you building the culture in your business? Those are the things that you want to pay attention to as part of your leadership role. And that is not something that gets trained, you know, as you are working your way up the career ladder. Yeah, and going back to our original point, so often people that are promoted up into management never take the time to shape a personal vision of who they are, what their values are about, what principles they believe in, and therefore how they want to show up in the new role. I, I mean, they they may think a little bit emotionally or somewhat psychologically about how they think they need to show up. But a lot of time that's driven by external forces. They look around and say, hmm, now I'm right. I'm at this level in my business. What are the other people at this level doing to be successful? And I'm putting air quotes on that. And they start to emulate that. And that's not authentic. It, it's no. it, it's yeah. not your true self. Exactly. And that's where I found that there was this big gap for me, because then I looked at the leaders that I was working for, um, and I didn't see that authentic voice, that authentic leadership, that really standing behind values that are important to you and your company culture. That for me created a lot of dissonance between, well, I want to show up as my authentic self, but I have to do a few things that don't really match that. So how do I reconcile that? And what do I do? And often we leave our 
true, you know, values and what we stand for. We leave that on the side and say, well, for the purpose of keeping the job or doing what I need to do or getting the results, I just put it on one side and keep pushing forward. And yet that doesn't lead to a good place either because, yeah, at some point that there's going to be that dissonance that comes in. I caught you smiling earlier. What, what was the thought that well, you had? Well, I'm curious, uh, and I am moving ahead here. I, I'm curious, what changes have you seen in the, I'll call it the management mindset, but really it's ultimately leadership. Uh, what have you seen in among your clients as far as changes that have happened since COVID and how they're wrestling with the the big shift that's happened in the minds of most employees there's an undeniable shift in mindset of the workforce that's showing up today versus where they were now what four years ago we'll call it what have you seen among your clients what are the kind of themes they're talking about and new and different challenges they're facing yeah so i think a a big one, and I think this is one that continues to be spoken about and trying to figure out what is the best way to handle it is the whole question of remote work. Do people need to be in the office or not in order to do effective work to um, create that collaboration and cohesive culture? So that's a big topic that is on leaders' minds at the moment. Um, another one is in terms of the workforce that is actually there's been a big shift over over the generational kind of workforce that we're seeing where being in one company for a long time and staying the distance is just a thing of the past. You don't want to change jobs all the time because that also shows instability. But what is that balance between making sure that you are giving your employees opportunities, you're giving your people opportunities to develop and grow both personally and in their career, and that they're constantly interested, and they feel that there's meaning and purpose to their to their work as well. So that is a challenge that we're seeing coming up that hasn't been there if you look, you know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago. It's something that's coming up more and more. And I think it is through the challenges that we've seen, the global challenges like the pandemic and, you know, economic uh, challenges, uncertainty. People are asking themselves, why am I doing this? Why am I getting out of bed every morning to come to work? I want it to have meaning. And I also want to know that I'm cared for as an individual and as a human being at work. And that means caring from a point of view of that human level. Who are you? What are you doing? Why are you doing it? But also in terms of career growth, I want to see that there's a trajectory for me. There's something for me that I can develop into from a career point of view. Well, that's consistent excuse me, <clears throat> I have to edit that out. That's consistent with uh, many of the things that uh, I'm likewise experiencing with my clients. It, uh, it, it does seem that there's a shift. And in a few cases, when I've run into people that want to still operate in a bit of a command and control kind of mindset, they're they're having real trouble with people saying, you know what, I'm out. I'm I'm not right. okay with that. Yeah. I'm I'm not gonna subscribe to that. I'm not gonna subject myself to that. And I think it does go back to your point. People are now genuinely questioning the worth of their work and 
whether or not they are viewed as you know valuable individuals on the team and uh it's a it it's a it's a complex situation for sure it is and i love what you're saying because we are still i'm certainly working with clients who do still have that mindset of command and tell and i'm the boss or i'm the founder or i'm the ceo so this is the vision that i have and i want you to do it my way and i think they really need to fine-tune their communication around that how do you can't communicate i'm the boss you have to listen to me that just does not fly anymore so how do you change your communication your people want to be way more involved in the business, understand what's going on, contribute, you know, from a thinking and a strategy point of view and feel like they're part of something. So it's not a just do what I say because I, I've said, I said so, you know. Right. Well, it it, it definitely is a, a, a kind of a pivot. And, and speaking of pivot, I'm going to do another one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What uh, what do you do when people uh, people that are in roles of leadership come to you and they say that they're pretty much feeling their own sense of burnout? They've they've just run out of gas. They've they've been fighting the good fight. Uh, maybe it's long hours. Maybe it's confusing priorities. Whatever. There's a lot of contributing factors. How do you typically? begin dealing with people that are expressing that sort of, you know, I'm on the brink, I'm going to burn out. What, what's, a, what's a direction you can send people? So I want to say that at the outset, when you are engaging with a coach, and I do get this question sometimes as well, I don't know if you hear it, but um, when they come and they engage a coach, they think it's going to be all about work and business and how to grow the business. And then they start to see, because the coaching approach is that you're coaching a human being and you want to look at the whole environment, everything that's going on for the person. So I find often with high achievers, it will take them a long time before they understand that they're on the road to burnout or that they're feeling certain symptoms of burnout because they tend to push themselves to such a level that they're not even seeing that. So I think really it's the role of the coach first and foremost to do a bit of an assessment of not just focus on the area that the client has come to you for coaching, but actually see what's going on everywhere. And when you engage a coach, you're actually going to talk about who you are as a human being in all areas of, of your life and not just the business because you cannot separate life from business. So once you've looked at that and you do see, or if sometimes they may come in with, oh, I'm feeling like I'm burning out and I need some help with that. I think, again, it's taking that inside out perspective. What do you need as a human being? And usually it's much more about looking at what are the things that you need to bring in to balance out some of this crazy uh, stress and pressure that's coming from the work environment. Spending more hours at work when you're at this level on the verge of burnout is not going to make you more productive. Actually, it's taking some hours away from work and nurturing yourself and doing things that bring you joy outside of work will help you to even be more productive at work. So it's then taking stock of what are the things that really bring you joy, that make you feel good when you're doing them. You know, I think looking at the basics like exercise, nutrition, sleep, those kind of things, just taking a bit of stock around that to make sure that you are, first of all, healthy physically, 
But um, yeah, as I say, holistic approach. So it's the physical health, mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, and really see what's going on there and where you need to, to create balance. Because if it's out of balance, you're not going to be able to manage those uh, symptoms of burnout. And when you have the balance, you really build resilience within yourself to be able to deal with symptoms of burnout. And you really, really, really want to deal with symptoms of burnout. So you want to notice them and manage them because then you're going to come to a point, and I've had clients where they've come to a point of panic attacks, just not being able to continue anymore. You know, you don't want to have other, you know, more serious physical health issues, and you, you don't want to get to that place. I interviewed someone recently who had been a former executive at Google, and he was describing a scenario where, uh, partly related to what we talked about earlier, he was climbing the ladder and he was emulating others to who arguably were very successful leaders. He was he was shaping his approach, following their pattern. And what that meant was eventually, even at a fairly senior leadership position, he was working 100 hours a week. Yeah. And yeah. he literally fell out one day and had to go to the hospital and was in the hospital for several days. And the basic diagnosis was, you know, you, you have burned it all up. <laughs> and, yeah, and uh, driving went on through with a, no fuel in the tank, really. He, he went through a recovery period and then went back to his boss and said, and he, he said during this recovery period, he did the deep soul search exploration and came away with the criteria that he simply was not going to work 100 hours a week anymore. And he went and informed his boss of that. And the boss's answer, sadly, was, well, then I'll find somebody who will. And yeah. my person said, okay, <laughs> that's a deal. Good for him. And Good he for did him. end up yeah. actually exiting the company and moving on to other things. And he's you know, continued his successful trajectory as a leader. And uh, he is now himself doing some coaching, yeah. primarily of tech people. But uh, it was a it was a poignant story to understand yeah. that, you know, our, our bodies are machines unto themselves. If we don't treat them right, they're going to break. Yeah. And, and I love that story because there's there's a big lesson in that. It's, you know, unfortunately, for many people, it's getting to breaking point before they realize. But then when you're being pushed by your employer to be able to say, and this is authentic leadership, this is knowing who you are, what your values are, what you need in order to really live a good quality of life and standing by that, not being afraid to say, I'm sorry, that doesn't work for me. And the more people who do that, the more the culture will also change within the organization to say, okay, our people are not prepared to do that. We maybe need to relook at that. I think it's a really, really powerful story for standing for your own values, your own health, and you're not being afraid to push back and find right. something else that works better for you. Yeah, it it, it does. It uh, you know it 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 really speaks to that self awareness again, and and being incredibly authentic, and that involves you know the the ability to call it out as it is. And uh, for those of you listening, there's a tool that a lot of coaches use. I use it myself. It's uh, it's called the Wheel of Life, and mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of different variations of it. 
But the basic idea is take a look at, at your situation, and there's typically six to eight areas of focus that we are all called to do. We Obviously, we've got our work in, in what we've got, but we've got our family, and maybe you want to put relationship with your significant other in that list, maybe relationship with your children, your own sense of learning or physical well-being, spiritual well-being, financial well-being, all of those things you can usually come up with the list of six or eight pretty quickly. But draw them out in a wheel, kind of a pie-shaped sliver for each of those things. And from the center of the wheel being ground zero, go out to the edge with a score of 10. And now plot yourself, make your own assessment within each of those slices. How are you doing? You know, is, is your family life a 10? Is your work life a 10? Is your physical well-being a 10? And typically nobody's out on the edge of, of 10 with all their areas. Everyone in, inevitably has a gap somewhere that they've let go for sake of something else. And it's important to look at that diagram because just like wheels on a bicycle, if they get out of round, you're, you're going to have a bumpy ride. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and uh, same thing is true with this wheel of life. If you have one sliver that's incredibly low scored compared to everything else, as that wheel turns, it's going to be a very bumpy ride as you go through life. And you're going to wonder, why, why do I keep interrupting things this way? And why do I feel the frustration I feel? Well, you know, maybe things are out of balance. Exactly. And I think that's the point here is the balance. So I also I use that tool. I think many, many coaches do. And it's not to get 10 out of 10. It's not marking you to get 10 out of 10 in every area, but it is to check your balance, check that you're paying attention to the things that are really important to you in your life. And so that you won't have such a, your wheel is a bit smoother and you, you won't have such a bumpy ride. Really, really great exercise to do. Daphne, uh, do you think this this mysterious thing we call leadership, uh, on a very broad scale, as you look across your client realm, uh, do people get it? Do people understand? <laughs> if you show up, you're the new person, and and you're talking about leadership and leadership development. Do people get it? Yeah, that is such an interesting question, because I think that. Here's what I found. Some people don't get it. Some people think leadership is still out there. It's like for those select few who are in such positions of power or influence that they can call themselves leaders. And it's not about me, it's about them. And I'm just carrying on doing what I need to do. And I think those people have much more of a and management mindset. So it's kind of project management, deadlines, here's what I need to manage. And they kind of miss a whole part of that picture. I think that leaders or managers that are asking themselves, how do I do this management job better? How can I be a better leader to my people? Those are the people that start to get that there is more to this picture than delivering high performance or delivering excellence, and that's where it ends. That in order to deliver high performance, you need to be doing your leadership job better. 
And the people that are starting to ask themselves that question are the people who are more aware, more self-aware and want to step into this authentic leadership place where they can find their unique voice so that they can be that special brand of leader that people actually want to be part of your business, part of your vision, part of what you're building. And that actually makes your job a lot easier because when you've got the, the group of people that are going to stand by you and are going to be part of something, and actually that's what people are looking for as well. They are looking for that um, sense of belonging and that sense of meaning that we are doing something to not just build a business, but also contribute to society and to making the world a better place. I really believe that every person has that calling within them, even if they don't recognize it straight off. But when you can use your business in this way and you understand that your leadership can really create that for you, your people and your business, then you are operating at a higher level. And then you really do get what leadership means because really I'm passionate about leadership being the realm of every single person. It does not matter what your position is, what your title is, whether you're working in a big business or you know whether you are not working right now. Leadership is something you can actually take on and elevate and make it something meaningful that draws people to you. Boy, you've touched on an area that, that is very pertinent and, and most people, if they really think about it, especially if they've spent their life working in a bigger company, they can usually point to someone in the group or on the team that was in fact the leader, even though they didn't have a title, they didn't have a position, they were technically a individual contributor, but yet they exhibited leadership qualities and, and people rallied around them. And if there was a usually the way it shows up, if there's a kind of a groundswell of opposition for some policy change or some procedural change that's been activated, it, it's this untitled leader that steps up and goes to management and says, hey, this is not going to work for us. Right. And and they're the ones that trigger that discussion and, and try to be a catalyst for change. And they're doing it in good spirit. They're not doing it to be arbitrary or difficult, but they're they're doing it because they've heard the voices of the others on the team and, and they're wanting to represent the good of the people. And, and a lot of times to stand up for something. They're willing to take a stand. Right. And a lot of times you you kind of alluded to it earlier, the the idea they come up with is could be better than what the boss wanted to do. You know, you talked about the boss and said, this is my company. This is my idea, my way you, you need to follow. Well, if, if, if you've done a reasonably good job of hiring talented and gifted people, right. they're going to come up with ideas that are probably better than yours. Of course. Of course. If you're not willing to pay attention, you're uh, you're missing that, a great opportunity. I remember running a program once for a group of managers within a big business. Uh, it was a mining company and they, you know, I was trying to teach them, you know, leadership in a coaching style. So how to ask questions, how to get their people more involved, how to get their people thinking for themselves. And one of the managers in the program said to me, that can't be. They don't know as much as me. I'm always the one that they come to to solve problems. And I generally give them the answer and it works. 
So why would I want to now open it up to them? I'm the one with experience. I was hired as the manager of the team. Why am I going to, you know, show them that I don't know because I'm asking them for their opinion or, you know, it was there was a, quite a bit of resistance to this whole idea of asking questions rather than giving answers and empowering people to think for themselves. That kind of felt to them like a bit of a waste of time. So I said to him, you know what, will you just experiment, you know, just do this little experiment with me. We were going to meet again the next day. And I said, just try something. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You don't ever have to do it again. But if it does, you know, let's talk about it. So I said to him, please, all you need to do tomorrow before you come into this program, I know you're going to see your team, go and just, if they come with a problem or if they come with something that they need your help or assistance with, just before you give the answer, ask them a simple question. What do you think? Ask the person, what do you think before you dive in with the answer? I said, are you prepared to do that? And the manager said to me, yes, I'm prepared to do that. So then the next day, we get together and I asked him, uh, did you try it? What, did you have an opportunity to try what we discussed? And he said, yes, I did. And to his great surprise, he did exactly that. All he had to ask was this one question, what do you think? No huge skills or anything like that. And he asked the question, the, you know, I don't know, chief engineer came to him with a problem, something had gone wrong with the mine. And he said to him, you know, this is a situation, we're on downtime, what do we do? And instead of just giving him the answer, which he had on the tip of his tongue, he said to him, what do you think? And he came up with a solution that actually blew this manager away because he hadn't thought of it and they tried it and it landed up being quicker and cheaper than the solution that he was going to give. So I think, yes, trust your people. You've hired them for their skills. Ask them what they think, because if it's always you doing the thinking, you're not developing your, your people and you're not open to other ideas that might work and possibly be even better than yours. Now, not every idea is going to save you time and money, but you're generating a culture of let's think about it together. Everybody's ideas matter and you might not always take the idea, but let it be said and let it be heard because you're only going to benefit from that. So yeah, I always love that story. Uh, that's a great story. And uh, I've got a little bit of a kind of a twin sister story to go with that. There's a there's a principle I encourage my clients to consider because it is when you're on that track we talked about earlier, you get promoted up, you're recognized for your performance and you keep rising based on that. You in your mind, you think, ah, I just need to do more of what I know how to do and I'll, I'll be successful. Yeah. So when your team starts coming to you with problems, being able to go, oh, here's the answer, you know, boom, 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 go, go do this, go do that, da, 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 and everybody's happy. Well, those need to be coaching and training moments for your people. And what I encourage my clients to do is I always ask the question, are you solving a problem or are you leading? And they go, what? And I'll say, well, if you were leading and someone brings you a problem, what you need to be able to do is start with the idea of asking three questions minimum. And it's a little more than what you, yeah. and, and a little more than my one. <laughs> what, what would you do is, is a great one. But also, if you ask questions that represent your own logic tree, you, you, through your experience, you've got a logic tree going on saying, well, if this is true, then that, 
And then if this, then that, then that, da, 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 da. And that's what you've learned through your experience. If you start questioning your people that way, you're sharing with them your logic. And, and some of the questions can be simple, like, well, what else have you thought about? Who else have you talked to? What other things might be applicable that you haven't yet brought into this? And it, it's kind of the classic teach a man to fish idea, exactly. you know. And if you as a leader will spend those few minutes in a more of a training and coaching mode rather than just dictating, oh, here's the answer, go, you know, get out of my way. Exactly. You then start developing, and, and I've, I've frequently had people push back on that and say, Doug, you don't understand. I, uh, things are moving too fast. I don't have time for all of that. And I, my argument is you don't have time not to because mm -hmm. guess what? If you don't take the time now, you're going to do it again and again and again. Exactly. You're going to be spending the same time repeating the same answers, repeating the same behavior, and that doesn't save you time in the long run. But if you invest the time now, you run a high probability of never having to spend the time again exactly. because exactly. The, your person got it. They understand it. They see the picture. Now they've leveled up their ability and it's all for the greater good. Yeah, I love it. And I love your three questions. I think that is a good rule of thumb. Ask three questions before you dive into the solution because it develops that thinking. It teaches something. It empowers people. It shows that you want something out of them that is more than just execution or delivery. So I think that's a really, really lovely tip as well. Yeah. Well, Daphne, I think we're about up on time. This has been wonderful, and thank you for sharing. Tell people the best way to get a hold of you if they're wanting more information from you. Yeah, so I've got my website, DaphneHorowitz.com, which is D-A-P-H-N-A. H-O-R-O-W-I-T-Z dot com. And I think you guys say Z, right? Right. <laughs> Z right. or Z. Or LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a great place to find me. And I yeah write a lot and I put out a lot of content and my own podcast as well. So, yeah, I'm easy Very to good. find. Well, as always, folks, we'll have that link in the show notes. So just hop down and click on the link if you would want to read more, see more about Daphna and her work. And one last time, thank you again for sitting thank in. Thank you. Thank you, Doug. I've really enjoyed our conversation. It was a All pleasure. Right. Well, folks, we're going to wrap up here. I, I do like to remind you, we've got a video version of this over on YouTube, a channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Hop over there, check out the archives, and leave us a comment, leave us a note. Let me know if you're interested in being on the show. I'm always welcoming new guests. And uh, Daphne came to me through a referral, and uh, it, was, uh, it was a great find and uh, much enjoyed. But with that, we're going to say goodbye. Go out there, make it a great day. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.